Today on the show, online retreats, keeping Christ in your heart and your hearth, keeping old scratch out, our picks of the week, and so much more. The Catholic Underground starts right now. It is time for the CU Weekly. We are the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent and bring you the topics that matter. It's episode number 422. I am Father Chris Decker. Joining me this week, we've got Kathleen Lee. She is the exile teacher of Our Lady of Mercy School in Baton Rouge. Hello, Kathleen. Hello, everyone. Good to see y'all. Yeah, and uh, Olivia Galino also joins us. She is our student of life, our resident Italian food critic who just finished dinner. Hey, Olivia. And baking. Hello. Oh, what did you bake? I've made so much this weekend. I made strawberry beer bread, oatmeal banana bread, some uh, honey wheat bread, and pizza dough. Very, very nice. I realize that I'm also the uh, the, the video director here too uh, tonight. So um, if uh, if things seem to be a little behind the eight ball, that's me. I'm I'm not switching the video <laughs> the way that I'm supposed to. Uh, we gave Ed the night off so that he can quarantine with his family, and Jeff has the night off as well. Um, but uh, but the three of us are here, and uh, we thought that we would begin the top of the show by talking about some of the things that are happening online this week, this Holy Week. Um, for uh, for you, because as you know, the entire world has moved well into a digital space. Um, Kathleen, how do you feel about being a digital teacher? Um, it's a little difficult. You know, it's it's interesting when uh, you have sixth graders. At some point, their questions end because they walk out your door. Um, now their questions come twenty four seven all the time. Do you find that? Yeah, like, where, where do I turn this in? You see where it says turn it in? Uh, that's where you turn it in. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Have you had a similar experience there, Olivia? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been really hard. Mm-hmm. And especially because, like, everyone has to, like, reset to the beginning of the year because we're all, like, learning how to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, because I've never been an online teacher. They've never learned online. And so it is very much like we're back in August. And it, it's a lot. It's yeah. Yeah, I, I suppose so. My, my my parishioners and then Catholic Underground listeners, and uh, just about anybody else who who sees oh look a Catholic priest somewhere on the internet uh, all hours of the day. My my Facebook Messenger mm-hmm. is very active, and so yeah. I I just apologize that I'm I'm not able to respond to everything. But if I did that, then well, then I, I probably would never be doing anything. So, uh, so yeah. uh, I do apologize. But one of the things that is happening this week is that there are many online retreats that are taking place. And so um, Philip Kozlowski, our friend over at, uh, at Alatea, who also um, successfully just kick-started the launch for uh, Jonah's Voyage to Atlantis, which is a, a comic book retelling of James R.R. R. Tolkien's Book of Jonah, which I'm really looking forward to. I'm so glad they made it. Anyway, he has put together a list of four online retreats that are um, that are going to be streaming and or viewable after the fact um, this Holy Week. So um, even though we know that it's going to be one of the strangest in history, most Catholics uh, have to celebrate Holy Week at home. So you guys celebrated Palm Sunday at home, huh? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I, I, I put a palm outside my apartment <laughs> apartment door. Yeah. And, and I've seen a lot of that, you know, in the Diocese of Baton Rouge, um, uh, our, our bishop was concerned about contagion, you know, about 
uh, making palms available. But one of the beautiful things I saw from the faithful is that even though the palms weren't weren't blessed at Mass today, they were able to go out and cut the palms out of their backyard or if they went into the woods, you know, and then they made these beautiful displays that I've seen on so many doors. And so it really is uh, kind of a, a beautiful thing to see the faithful still attempting to, to live their faith, to practice their faith as best as possible uh, in this situation. And so in the age of the internet, there are a lot of resources to help you to enter into Holy Week, just like you can go out into your backyard and cut a palm in the day of anticipation where you'll be able to bring that palm to the church and have it blessed, which I do, in fact, plan to do. Um, and so one online retreat that's going to be happening this week is at St. Benedict's Abbey in Atchison, Kansas. And uh, they uh, they said in this uh, confidence, the monks of St. Benedict's Abbey invite you and your household to join us in a Holy Week retreat in your home. They will provide a suggested schedule, retreat materials, conferences, and guidance to help each day to uh, enter into the great reality of life, death, and resurrection, um, One who and the one who never abandons us, Jesus Christ. And I think that's a really cool thing. So cloistered Benedictines are providing an online retreat uh, on the internet. Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really cool that they are that they're kind of inviting people into their own quarantine. That's true. Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. Kind of giving new meaning to the word cloister, right? That, uh, right? that they're inviting everyone into their uh, into their most intimate space, right? If you, I don't know if you've ever been to a Benedictine Abbey before. I guess both of us have, or both of us, both of y'all have. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. I've been to a Cistercian Abbey, which is Benedictine. You know, yeah, it's in a, a different form, but yeah, right, a reform of the There's, Benedictine Abbey. So there, there are places if you go to an abbey that that are kind of public. But then usually there's a sign that either says enclosure or cloister, and that's just for the monks. And so it's a kind of a beautiful thing that the monks are inviting you uh, kind of past the cloister, you know, past the, past the enclosure. Um, so all are invited to pray um, with the Abbey's Liturgy of the Hours and the Triduum Liturgies, which will all be live streamed. They also say they'll provide resources for registrants uh, to, to further ways they can pray with them um, without using the live stream. So, like, if you have kids, for example, right, it might not be easy to, uh, to, to pray along, um, but, right. the, but they'll provide some, uh, some, some way to do that. Uh, let's see here if I can put that in the. Oh, no, that's not what I wanted to do at all. <laughs> I just gave everybody our, uh, our private uh, chat. Please don't click that link. <laughs> Oops, I don't know how to get rid of that either. Well, that could be terrible for us. Lovely. Um, also, <laughs> n- number two, oh dear, number two is, um, <laughs> this is really bad. Number two is a, a virtual retreat with Cardinal Sean O'Malley. Uh, and that uh, th- he has given six meditations that are available on Catholic TV and they can be viewed at any time. And so you can do that as well. What I was trying to do is provide all of those chats. I'm really worried about this now. <laughs> Don't click on oh, that. Wait, one. I deleted it. Oh, good. Okay, fine. No, I'll just I'll just get back to the show now, shall I? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. I got you. Um, yeah. So if you go to the Catholic TV website, uh, you can view his six meditations on the Eucharist, the Seven Last Words of Christ, the Good Samaritan, uh, Faith, Mercy, and Prayer. Uh, those those themes, and you'll be able to to do that. Um, and that I think that's a 
really beautiful thing um, because Cardinal Sean O'Malley um, is he's a good speaker. And so those kind of those themes also uh, can happen outside of Holy Week. So maybe you make it into the Easter season. You're like, yeah, I think I'd like to, to do a little bit more. You can certainly do that. Um, Archbishop Nelson Perez for the Archdiocese of Philadelphia invites Catholics to join a special six-day Lenten retreat presented online beginning Monday, March 30th. So this is a little behind the curve for us, um, but uh, you can go to the Archdiocese of Philadelphia's website, and, uh, and, and the theme of it is the power of faith and hope in a time of uncertainty, a virtual Lenten retreat. Uh, and he'll presents a, he presents a video every 7 p.m. on Monday and extending through Palm Sunday. So you might be able to view that in, um, in, in a replay, which would be kind of a cool thing, too. Um, also, the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis, is offering a week-long virtual retreat beginning today on Palm Sunday when this episode is recorded and will culminate with the Easter Vigil. And so um, we'll provide a link for the Archdiocese of St. Paul, uh, Minnesota, as well. Uh, or I should say St. Paul, Minneapolis, so that you'll be able to do that. Um, and then also uh, Jim, who is our managing editor, says the Cathedral of St. Paul is in the classical revival style and is absolutely beautiful. It's well worth a virtual visit these days. So you can actually go and, uh, and, and virtually visit. Yeah, uh, you, 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 you may have uh, deleted that link in one place, Olivia, but it's <laughs> still everywhere else. Oh, well. Oh, well. I don't know. I'm I'm just hoping that nobody tries to bring down our broadcast because that's apparently what happens whenever people get that link. So to all of you who are watching us uh, on Catholic TV and on Catholic Faith Network, pay no attention to what I've just said. This is, again, this is all just um, kind of new ground that we're forging here. Um, so, but can I say, yeah. can I say, Father Chris, that you're doing a phenomenal job? <laughs> yes. With this. Well, you like this is you. this is your wheelhouse, and you like. I, I can imagine like 10 years ago, this would have never happened. Like, <laughs> you know, this, this being, being able to, it was so easy for me and Olivia, uh, to jump on board and just, you know, go with it, go with yeah. it last Sunday when we decided to do this all from home. Yeah. Um, and it's, and that's just been an incredible thing to watch, to be a part of, mm -hmm. um, personally. So kudos to you, well, my friend. Well, I mean, yeah. it's nice that the technology is there. You know, uh, 10 years ago, a lot of the streaming technology wasn't there. And so uh, uh, there are some other things that you can also do is, uh, is viewing mass online. A lot of folks are doing that. And so if you want, you can go to the Vatican YouTube page um, or the Vatican News website, and you can see the various liturgies of Holy Week with Pope Francis. Um, also, Catholic TV, which is located in the Archdiocese of Boston, has a lot of streaming opportunities for that, too. Again, 10 years ago, you might have found one or two parishes uh, online, and, and we're not talking cathedrals, right? Um, uh, right. And then, of course, EWTN um, has, uh, has Mass every day uh, on YouTube and on our Roku app. Um, the Passionists of uh, the St. Paul of the Cross province uh, also has the Sunday Mass available. St. Patrick's Cathedral started streaming Mass from New York City. And then uh, St. Stephen uh, Byzantine Catholic Cathedral in Phoenix, Arizona also has the liturgy live streamed. Um, and then, of course, you can watch Mass on the Catholic Underground uh, with me each day. And then Father Ryan, uh, <laughs> Father Ryan uh, Humphreys also offers the traditional Latin Mass um, on the Catholic Underground feed. And uh, we presumably will keep doing that until, you know, so until. Um, and... Uh, and I, I know I actually enjoy it. And, and uh, for me, it's been helpful, even though um, you're joining me virtually by ma on ma for Mass, 
uh, I, I still find it incredibly uh, helpful to, to be able to offer mass uh, with you and for you, you know, um, and, and, and so uh, just want you to know that I appreciate you, even though even though we can't all see each other, you know. Um, OK, all right. So I'm still trying to fix my my snafu here. <laughs> With, uh, with my link. I, I don't know. Um, I did all I know how to do. Yeah, I know. That's okay. Kathleen is telling the truth when she says that literally all we do is show up. Yep. That's, and, oh, that's, that's not true. That's true. That's not true at all. You guys uh, prepare very well, and I'm very grateful to have you. Um, but, of course, uh, yeah. But but for, first, I guess I, I should tell you that, uh, that we are always glad to have uh, any new audience members, too, for those of you who are joining us maybe for the first time, those of you who are seeing us uh, – uh, like, what's that going on on my Facebook feed? Um, and we're happy to be able to, to welcome you into the, the group of the undergrounders. And so it is with that, I say, we are the Catholic Underground. And typically what happens now is a little, uh, little music. <laughs> You're listening to the Catholic Underground. We're online at catholicunderground.tv. I'm Father Chris, joined by Olivia Galino and Kathleen Lee. Our picks of the week are coming up, but first... We thought we'd uh, we kind of maybe dovetail into the watching of the liturgies of Palm Sunday and these retreats with how to stay spiritually engaged in your own home, because right. that's a big deal, too. And people now are finally starting to get to that place where they're like, I'm at home again with right. all of my kids. And well, and the reality, too, is that this is this is probably going to last past Holy Week. And so while we're gearing up for Holy Week and all of the, the beautiful liturgies that we're now transitioning to online, we have to start thinking to past, past that. How are we going to stay spiritually engaged past Easter? You know, what, is it, what is our Easter going to look like? And so uh, what can we do um, and, and to, to be engaged or to even grow in this time? Because it might just be that you're trying to survive spiritually. Um, but how is it that in this this upcoming Easter season can we grow rather than uh, stay stagnant or, heaven forbid, fall away from um, our spiritual disciplines, our spiritual, um, you know, you know, normalities that we are we're always engaging in? I know for me, um, it's always tough during the summer because teaching in a Catholic school, um, you know, it's 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 second hand, you know, it's, it's, we, we pray before every class and we go to mass every week and we celebrate the important feast days together. Um, but when I'm, when I'm out of that, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, a shock to my system sometimes. And so I know that these past couple of weeks has kind of been that way too. I've been caught up with trying to get lesson plans and everything done. So, um, so here are a few suggestions for you guys to think past this beautiful week of Holy Week, and maybe you are listening to us in the Easter season, um, and you're wondering, okay, that was great. Now, um, you know, what can I do? One of the questions that you might be asking um, is, why has God given us this time, right? Um, your initial impulse when when we went into lockdown might have been um, to clean your house or uh, to clean out your your closets. Or <laughs> I did all of those things. Done. Yeah. <laughs> And now that we've done that three or four times, right, like myself, um, you know, maybe you are excited and, and to catch up on some, some Netflix and TV shows that you've been 
you know, one to watch. And maybe now that you've watched every one of them three or four times, right? <laughs> the question is, what does God want from you out of this time? Yeah, isn't that something? It's, well, uh, it's kind of like in retreats where it takes a good three days for you to enter into the retreat. You know, yes. now that you've, you've kind of cleared everything out of the way and what else do I do? Uh, God's still there. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, one of the most consistent themes of spiritual writings is that all things are ordained for our holiness. Like we are, I tell my students all the time, your vocation, your purpose um, is is holiness. Um, and, and there's uh, Cecil Bruyere, right? Mm-hmm. She wrote this book called The Spiritual Life and Prayer. It says, all God's all God's designs over us in this world are intended to bring about our supernatural perfection. So what does that mean in this time of, of isolation, of quarantine? Right, begin, maybe you can begin and in, in, in each day asking God what he wants from you during this time. Mm-hmm. Right, maybe you wake up in the morning and your prayer is just, Lord, what do you want from me today? What do you want me to see? What do you want me to do? Um, what do you want me to say? How do you want me to interact with those that that I'm, you know, in quarantine with. And then the, the, the thing is to then pay attention. Yeah. Right. To listen, which is the hardest part. Exactly. A lot of times we, we, you know, we're like, all right, Lord, whatever you want from us. And then we go about our day and we forget to listen. Right. Um, how is God using this disruption in our life to direct your attention to what he's trying to accomplish in you? How is he asking you to be still, be quiet? And look at what his plan is for you, right? Um, you may have a lot of things that you want to um, to do in this time, uh, but what do you see God calling your attention to? And are you paying attention to what that is? Uh, maybe the Lord wants you to slow down. Maybe he wants you to spend more time resting. Maybe that's what it is. I think for a lot of us, we think that resting and leisure time is a waste, um, but maybe that's what God's calling you to. Yeah. Right? Or maybe if you're struggling with anxiety um, and worry about everything that's going on, maybe God is calling you to trust. I don't know what it is, but y'all, we're still in Lent as this is being recorded. And, and God is still working in that time. And he's going to work beyond that as well. Um, so pay attention to what it is that, that God is using this time for in your life. Yeah, I'll admit sometimes I have trouble waking up and saying, okay, Lord, this day belongs to you. What do you want me to do today? Uh, Even even me, you know, who has to go to Mass every morning, right? I celebrate the Mass every morning. And yet some days waking up, because you you do, you feel kind of like you're in Groundhog Day where you're waking up and you're like, oh, well, there's still a quarantine order, you know? Um, And and so to, to give those first few moments to God is not always something that's easy. Right. And maybe you have to come back in the middle of the day and say, okay, Lord, I didn't listen to a word you said. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and you repeat that for me, you know. Yeah. Um, but maybe one of the things that, that the Lord is calling you to is just to say, Jesus, I trust in you. Mm-hmm. Right. There are a lot of things to be worried about in this time. Um, a lot of unknowns, things that we don't know about, even if we're not worried about ourselves getting uh, seriously ill. Maybe we're worried about friends or family members or people that we already know who are sick. Um, or you can worry about your job, you can worry about your family, um, your family's financial situation, the economy, whatever it is, right? But maybe your prayer needs to be, Lord, what is it that you want from me today? And then, Jesus, I trust in you, that whatever that is, that, that all things work together for your good. Yeah. Uh, maybe the Lord is uh, inviting you to study, 
right? To, to study, like, you know, there's so many of us Catholics out there, myself included. Um, I have a bookshelf full of, of Catholic books, um, and not many of them have actually been read, <laughs> right? So instead of like binge watching or, or you know, or doing the, the 900th puzzle that you have laying around the house, grow in your understanding of your faith. I don't know that Maybe I've ever had a puzzle lying around the house. Me neither. And I went to find one, can't find any. It's like oh. the hand sanitizer aisle. <laughs> oh, so everybody's taking the puzzle right option. Yes. Yes. Father Chris, the, all the puzzles are in your brain. Oh, yeah. You're probably right about that. Well played, Olivia. Mm. <laughs> Kathleen, back to you. <laughs> but but and there are a lot of you know even Father Ryan is doing some some catechism you know videos on Facebook uh, through Catholic Underground. There are a lot of, of priests and people who um, you know are teachers or doing ministry that are doing little catechetical videos. Now is the time. Right. Where if there's ever that's something that you're like, man, I don't understand why we do that or um, why Father says that in mass or what's our belief on, you know, on Mary. Um, You know, now is the time you have plenty, plenty of time um, and plenty of plenty of resources out there uh, that people, you know, Ascension Press is is has a lot of resources. Um, Loyola Press has a lot of resources. We could make a a huge list of, of places out there that are saying, here, read this. Yeah. Um, and what's really cool is all the places that are, are just dropping their paywalls and saying it's more important yeah. that you have this good information, that you have the truth presented to you than, uh, yeah. than, than, than money right now. We'll worry about that later. You know, and that's a, yeah. that's a really kind of a good thing, too, is because the gospel is uh, is not chained. The gospel is not closed and the gospel is always free, you know. Exactly. Uh, maybe it's that you're seeing a lot more of, of uh, the masses online being said online and you're entering into those a little bit more. Maybe this is an opportunity to prepare uh, for massless Sunday worship or massless everyday you know worship where there is a gospel reading for every day. Maybe you're going to USCCB, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. Mm-hmm. You got org. it. And, and, you're, uh, and you're looking at the daily readings of the day, and maybe that's where the Lord is speaking to you, mm-hmm. right? Um, we're, we're not having these, these public worship, you know, times of worship, but there are times where we are, um, are gathering together to hear the Word of God. And so why not have your family or yourself, um, you know, sit down and, and read it and talk about what does it mean in your life today? Um, it's very interesting having done that with sixth graders, what mm-hmm. you can get them to, to kind of apply. Because you know, I say a lot of times, you know, when Jesus knew who he was talking to, yeah. and, he, and he was very specific, and he used things that they would know about. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times I'm like, what does a goat and a sheep have to do with my life? You know, and, and I think sometimes we do that and we tune it out. Uh, but it's not necessarily, um, you know, what Jesus is saying, but the message behind it. And so it's really unpack that. Or uh, maybe what's really cool in, in my little one-bedroom apartment is to make a little space for worship, you know, a place where I can go and pray. Um, you know, we're not able to go to our, our houses of worship and, and sit in these beautiful liturgies that we're, we're going to be so missing this Easter season, but um, you know, maybe you've dedicated a place in your in your home 
where you can go and pray and maybe sing some hymns and you know mm-hmm. um, you know you've put up some some maybe a crucifix and some icons. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I thought Father Chris the other day, you know, when you were doing night prayer, you showed us all of your, uh, your relics. Oh and yeah. Some of your icons in your bookshelf. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, My but, little prayer but, space. Yeah. And just, but just a place where we, you know, is dedicated for that one thing. I know many of us have places that are dedicated to work or school. Now we've changed the way that our dining room tables look. Well, maybe it's a it's a part of your home that you've dedicated to worship. Mm-hmm. Um, so, a couple of other things as you know, as we kind of move through this, uh, read or listen to stories of the saints. Learn about those people who struggled in the faith before us. This is not the first time in our church where we haven't been able to gather together, where we haven't been able to come to the sacraments. Um, many, many, many saints went through the same thing, um, and and. It's why they're saints. Yeah. <laughs> it's because of the way that they, they persevere and the way that they drew closer to God. Um, pray compline. Father, I, lo- I've ne- I, I don't pray the Liturgy of the Hours on a regular basis because it intimidates me. Um, but I have loved every weeknight sitting with Father Chris and like 200 other people mm-hmm. and praying, praying night prayer. Yep. It's beautiful. Um it's a simple you know, office of the church, but it is one of the most beautiful because it is it is like a lullaby, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Even Friday, um, which is some really kind of ooh readings, you know, the Psalms are, are yeah. very like my one companion is darkness. So even as you as you experience night prayer on Friday, you're you're going into the tomb with the Lord. You know, it's yeah. really kind of a beautiful thing, even though uh, you still get put to bed with the Lord. You know. Yeah. Incredible, incredible, and you know, and find ways to to this will be our last one to do um, spiritual and corporal works of mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we can fall into the trap of thinking about ourselves. Woe is me. You know, I talk a lot about how I'm an extrovert, and this is so hard for me. <laughs> um, but you know, how are we taking care of those people who are around us? How are we taking care of our neighbor without you know without coming with coming within six feet of them? Um, how is it that the Lord is asking us to be a a, a small C Catholic, you know? Yeah, sure. That's right. Yeah, yeah, because mm-hmm. the gospel is so much larger than just uh, what kind of takes place in the bubble of 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 our of our parish church or uh, even in our own diocese. But to be able to reach out horizontally, as we say, to to yeah. to practice those works of mercy, because that's what a Christian does, you know. Um, yeah. Joining our, our worship of God to our practice of, yeah. uh, of being in the presence of God. So very very cool. Yeah. Well. Uh, well, Kathleen, you're you're always a paragon of information, and uh, ah. and uh, it's always <laughs> nice whenever whenever you expound on the article too, because I think that that gives us a little sense that yeah, this is real. This is something that I can make real in my yeah. own home, you know. And and what a great mm-hmm. grace that is for sure. All right. Uh, well, what we will do uh, as as we often do. Is take a little bit of a time, a little bit of time for a break. Uh, oftentimes, it's a little prayer, and uh, and so um, as you are listening to us or watching us, we remind you that you can get us uh, at CatholicUnderground.com. That's also uh, where we uh, where we have our podcast and all of our special programming uh, during this time of quarantine, and you can get all of that as well as subscribe to our podcast and all the other uh, things that we're doing, including Father Ryan's COVID catechism, which actually has been mm-hmm. pretty interesting. So, uh, so stick right there. We're the Catholic Underground, and we'll be right back.
Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. Alrighty, welcome back. You found the Catholic Underground with me, Father Chris Decker. We've also got uh, Kathleen Lee and Olivia Galino. Uh, Ed and Jeff are off tonight. Our picks of the week are coming up. But first, we thought that uh, we would also kind of keep in the theme of, of having this monastery uh, of your home by, by talking about some of the difficulties that can occur whenever you are in that monastery for such a long period of time. And uh, one of those things that can happen is, uh, is trying to avoid sin, you know, trying to stay out of sin. And so, um, uh, Olivia, we thought we'd, uh, we'd plunge into uh, that Catholic Stand article by Ray Sullivan on how to keep the devil out of your head. Yeah. Just, Old wow, scratch. what a topic. Yeah, what a topic. Um, yeah, but... Uh, it's, it's an interesting thing because I think a lot of people are finding themselves, like Kathleen was talking about, with like lots of just extra time on their hands. And when we have extra time, we fill it. And sometimes we fill it with maybe the same thing over and over again, like cleaning your closet 12 times in a week because you, don't, you just don't know what else to do. Or we fill it with 100 episodes of Gilmore Girls. Or we fill it with oh dear. You know, <laughs> a large pizza, whatever it is, right? We, if we have extra of something, we tend to want to fill it. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes the temptation, especially if we're isolated by ourselves, um, the temptation can be to sin or it can just be to things that aren't as good for us. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, maybe the, because someone, you know, I'm not around people, no one's watching, it's just easier, or maybe it's harder to keep something out. Right. Um, and so we're going to talk about how to keep right? Like the devil out of your mind, how to keep temptation at bay. Mm -hmm. um, but I first want to start as I, when I talk about this in my classes, I teach scripture. So we got to talk about sin and Satan a lot, but I always say, you know what? The devil twists, but he does not win. Right. The devil is a sore loser. And so nothing that we should, that we're going to talk about or nothing that we're going to say, it should make us afraid. Right. Because Christ is the victor. And as long as we stick by Christ and we allow Christ to stick with us, to live in our hearts as we live in his, then the victory is assured. Mm -hmm. The devil is just a sore loser. That's right. Yeah. And, and that's so, why we stick close to Christ, because we know that we fight the skirmishes, but the war is won. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so having said that, um, so we do want to talk a little bit about um, the different areas of the mind where temptation, sin, Satan can try to affect us. Um, and all of this kind of taken from um, a verse from Isaiah 5:20 that says, Woe to those who call good evil and evil good. That's really what sin is, right? Um, the devil can't create. He's not a creator. He is a creature, right? He's a fallen angel, and which means that all he can do is distort. Yeah. Right? He can pervert. He can twist. That's it. That's, all, that's the extent of his power, right? Which is why the first time we ever see him is in the garden with Adam and Eve. And he's not creating these illusory realities that are confusing to Adam and Eve, so they don't know which way is up and which way is down. Like, I don't know if anybody saw Spider-Man Far From Home. Oh, well, whenever. of course. 
Oh, yeah, I mean, but I, it was really good. I don't remember the, the name of the, Mysterio. Like, the character. There you go, that one. Um, but he kept putting Spider-Man in these kind of virtual human, reality like David Hume, situations, like virtual yeah. reality situations. Yeah, that were he didn't he didn't couldn't trust anything. He didn't know what was going on, and so it was hard to fight back. Right? The devil doesn't have that kind of power. What he does with Adam and Eve is he takes something that's true, something that God has said, and he twists it. He puts a little bit of doubt in their mind. He can't change what God has said, but he can change how they perceive it. And so um, that's what that's what happens in the garden, and that's what happens from time immemorial since then. Um, yep, it's all a all variation right, so, on that theme. Exactly. Um, yeah, and that's the other thing. Um, when it comes to sin, there's nothing new under the sun, right? Which is another reason why if you're scared to, you know, confess a certain sin or to, to go and talk to a priest, they have heard it, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, it's one of the most beautiful things is that it, sin is is lackluster, right? You're not going to scare the priest. You're not going to scandalize the priest. And um, and you're gonna what you're gonna do is you're gonna release yourself from that and allow God to give you the grace to let Him love you more. That's right. If you think uh, about that distortion too, whenever you don't want to go to confession, right? Whenever you don't want to willingly uh, make yourself vulnerable in that sense, uh, that's a distortion, because one of the great desires that we all have is to be clean of heart. All of us yeah. have that desire. Exactly. So, um, so there are six kind of basic areas of the mind, and this is, you know, uh, an, a pretty, an ancient way of thinking about the mind and the person. Um, and so another important distinction I want to make is that we're not like, you know, chopping someone up into like discrete parts and forgetting that they're a whole person, but we're just isolating, okay, in this area of the mind, mm-hmm. this is how sin can affect us. So I just don't want everyone to lose sight of the person. Um, so... The, the six basic areas that we're going to talk about are the imagination, the emotions, the memory, the conscience, the intellect, and the will. All right. And it's a hierarchy. So um, just like there's a hierarchy of being, right, like a rock is lesser than a dog and a, you are greater than a dog and the angels are greater than Like there's a hierarchy of being. Yep. So too, there's a hierarchy when it comes to those areas of the mind. And so the first one is the imagination. Um, this is what's called the lowest form of the human mind, but not low in the sense of like, it's not worth anything. It's, you know, you can discard it and it doesn't matter, but it's lower in the sense that it's the easiest to kind of influence and access, right? Which Mm -hmm. means that it's the easiest thing for someone else who you don't want to have influence to influence your imagination, right? Just like you might see a billboard driving down the street and your mind just goes off into these, you know, all these fanciful places and you kind of catch yourself and you're like, whoa, like I don't. <laughs> I'm not in the I... Caribbean right now. <laughs> exactly. Right. So our ma- imagination, that's why advertising is so um, effective, because our imaginations are easily plummeted. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to temptation, um, Satan can fill our minds with all sorts of images, ideas, especially about things that are good. Right. Uh, this is another thing. Satan doesn't have he doesn't have any of his own material. So he takes good things and he twists them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So things like sex. Sex is a good thing when it is situated in the context for which it was created um, between a man and a woman. Right. They, that is the Who context are for which it was created. Who are married. Yes. That's the context I'm talking about. Yeah. Right. Um, but Satan can take that and twist it. Right. Um, same with with, you know, earning money. Money's not a bad thing. 
right? But when we when we're miserly, when we like count all of our pennies and hoard them, like no, you can't touch it, it's mine. <laughs> or if we, you know, just have stacks and stacks and stacks of money, and we forget, we like um, forget to see Lazarus at the door, mm-hmm. right? Or maybe anger, right? Anger is an easy emotion. We'll talk about emotions in just a second to uh, to kind of put into the imagination, right? Like if you're ever thinking about an argument that you had with someone, you're like, oh, I wish I would have said this. That really would have burned her. You or know? an argument you want to have with somebody. That's the other yes, thing too. Right? It's like a little spark in the imagination. Before you know it, you're in the shower having completely obliterated an imaginary person, you know? Exactly. We all do it. And then the, we're like, ooh, that's good. The shampoo bottles are usually not too impressed. Right? <laughs> Mine are like, oh, come on, darling. You're better than that. All right. It's uh, a southern shampoo. We have little nicknames. It's fine. Um, <laughs> that's weird. No, it's not true. I'm kidding. Okay. So going back to the imagination, see? Um yeah, so a lot of people, we don't necessarily control our imagination, um, but we tend to take something pleasurable that's planted there and kind of run with it. Um, but the problem is that the imagination can feed into someone's emotions, right? Just like you're imagining a conversation that you might have to have with someone while you're you know, in the shower, in the car, and all of a sudden you're angry or you're sad or you're scared, whatever it is, because your emotions have like, it's like a, a spark that's been lit. Mm-hmm. And so from there, it then goes into your memory. Yeah. You start thinking about previous conversations with that person, maybe how they've hurt you, and then into your conscience. Maybe you think, you're thinking about how you've hurt them, so you start feeling guilty about it, and you start thinking, well, maybe I was never forgiven for that. And then you go into the intellect, right? And then finally into the will. And so it, what has started in the imagination has seeped all the way down the well mm-hmm. into that, that core of what it means to be a person, what right. it means to, to think, to be rational. Which is, uh, right, that it goes through uh, our conscience of, of right or wrong, right, into the intellect, which is kind of the thinking, um, kind of coming to bear, and then the will, which is the, the doing. Right? right. Yeah. Exactly. All right. So... Let's just climb up that ladder or down the ladder, I guess, into emotions, right? That's the next um, the next area of the mind. Um, and so um, when you think of emotions, you think of things like happiness, sadness, anger, fear, right? Um, and there's nothing wrong with emotions. You are given emotions because that is a part of reacting to your subjective experience, mm-hmm. right? It's a good thing. It's a good thing that you cry. It's a good thing that you feel angry, right? But what comes into play as important is if I, as long as I don't let my emotions rule what I do, mm-hmm. right? As long as the will that we were just talking about, um, my, my ability to, to act, to do, isn't overly influenced by my emotions, right? Um, and that's why the intellect, the ability to think and judge right from wrong, well, that's conscience too. But that's why those things come before the will. Right. A lot for, of things have to come down the pipeline before they can get to the will. Yeah. For example, like like a dream. You know, dreams are dreams. You know, the, but but we we know that uh, that whenever we wake up, we have to contend sometimes with the dreams that we have, right? And we have to go. Well, you know what? That was based on something that was real, but it wasn't real at all. Uh, or if you have a dream that uh, that maybe has kind of a spiritual nature to it, you have to be able to discern um, what was going on there, right? Because again, dreams are dreams, and and our imaginations are are kind of running rampant in, in that situation. So we still have to feed it through the pipe, if if you will, 
uh, of saying, yeah. okay, Lord, uh, if there is anything there, then, then help me to see what to do um, with, with what's being kind of peaked in my, in my, uh, kind of my spiritual interest. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, and if you, if you need confirmation that emotions are not a bad thing, I mean, you know, think of the scriptural, uh, evidence that we have that Jesus got angry, yep. right? He got angry at corruption in the temple, mm -hmm. something legitimately, uh, you know, to, to cause legitimate anger. Um, Jesus weeps, right? When, and when Lazarus dies, um, he's taken to the tomb. I love this. Uh, like this was the reading uh, from last Sunday, and it was the first time that I noticed that Mary is weeping. She gets up from her grief. She goes to meet Jesus. All the people who go with her are weeping, and when it's it's when Mary is together with Martha, there with Jesus, that Jesus himself weeps. Mm -hmm. And I love that that her grief allows Jesus to grieve, right? Um, yeah. Anyway, that's a sidetrack. But um, it's okay. so it's grief beautiful. is not a bad thing. Tears are not a bad thing. Right. Um, but the problem is that if we let our uncontrolled imagination kind of run wild into the into the direction of temptation, then the resultant emotions can take over our actions. Right. They can filter their way down into the will, and we can skip past the memory, the conscience, the intellect, right into acting. Oof. Right. I feel hurt, so I'm going to hurt someone else. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's how people get really hurt. Yeah. And um, when we put our consciences to sleep, right? That, that's part yeah. of it. And that's why all of those things are important is, I mean, St. Ignatius would talk about this kind of the discerning of, of the movements of our, of our imagination, discerning the movements of, of our intellect and our emotions so that we don't mm -hmm. jump from the, the impetus straight into the act of the will, but to right. feed it through that. Yeah. Exactly. And one of the ways that he can really take hold is through our memory, right? So mm -hmm. I, something has come into my imagination, something has um, entered into my emotions or sparked an emotion in me, and that emotion might remind me of something, right? I remember the, the last time I felt this, or I remember the last time this thing and this emotion were paired up together, and it all comes flooding back. And suddenly, I'm not here April 5th, 2020. I'm back whenever that was. Mm -hmm. um, and what can happen is Satan can use those past events to attack us right now. Yep. And especially when it comes to sin, especially when it comes to believing that we are forgivable, that we are that we are lovable, loved enough to be forgiven. Right. Um, and so maybe, you know, something in the past, maybe you've sinned really badly or maybe you've hurt someone or someone has hurt you. And it's been hard to forgive. Yeah. But we've been forgiven. Right. Thanks to the sacrament of confession and, and the ocean of Jesus's mercy, we've been forgiven for those sins. Yeah. And so. We, we can truly, you know, take put that in the past, leave that in the past, and look forward in hope to Christ mm -hmm. today. And it's interesting, but, though, that, that sometimes our memory will betray us, right? Is that we'll still have a memory of either a sin committed against me or one that I've committed. And mm -hmm. as I tell people, we can let the tape run, and then sometimes it can get conflated with our imagination as well. And then we either, we, we believe that little that little lie that says, ah, you weren't forgiven because you still remember it. Yeah, oh, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, being forgiven and forgetting are not the same thing. That's right. And, right? and I often tell folks that the reason that the the memory is still allowed uh, to to perdure even after the sin has been forgiven, is so that that we have a horror for the sin that either the one that was committed against us or that we were committed, so that we don't 
uh, entangle ourselves in it again. And I yeah. often tell folks to, to pray for the healing of that memory. That is something that God has to do directly, but we have to be willing to give it over to him because otherwise it can begin to, to calcify and then acidify again, you know. And, uh, yeah. and and Satan is is that way. He he do, again. He doesn't have any power of his own, right? Uh, he just he has to take from everything else to make up a little a little uh, snowman of hate for for himself, you know, and show it to you. But uh, but yeah. but Jesus, even Jesus, has dominion over our memory, you know. And so to be able to give that over to him, that's actually part of Saint Ignatius' prayer: is take my memory, Lord. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. And so. It's one of the other things that, that Satan can do, when, especially when it comes to memory, is he can manipulate or try to manipulate the role that God played in that memory, mm-hmm. right? In that sin, in that act of forgiveness, yeah. right? So maybe I remember confessing this certain sin, but maybe Satan tells me, well, were you really forgiven? Right. Is God really going to be merciful to you for that? Yeah, I encounter or, that a good isn't deal. Isn't that sin a little bit... Yeah, like, isn't that sin a little bit too big for God? No, no nothing is nothing. too big for God. Absolutely nothing is too big for God. Yeah. yeah, or Satan will try to, you know, God is is both a judge and a merciful father, and Satan will try to get us, look at the judge part, Yeah. right? That's scary. Mm-hmm. Instead of, you know, realizing that Christ wants us to rely, he wants to, what is it that he told St. Faustina, right? I want to um, drown all my, you know, um, Drown all like your your unpleasant memories in the ocean of my mercy and mm-hmm. forgiveness, right? That's what Jesus wants to do. He's not coming to be like, all right, I'm standing here with my clipboard right. and Pay up. ready to get yeah. next. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. But the the judge part comes from the the we want to be prepared, right? Mm-hmm. We are going to be judged one day, and so we want to be prepared for that. Which is why God now continually calls to us with His mercy, right? Saying, "Come back. Right. I'm here. I love you," right? Um, and so then all of that can trickle from the imagination, the emotions, the memory into the conscience. And conscience gets a bad rap, um, mm-hmm. but it's so beautiful, this gift that we have of our conscience, if it's properly formed. Yeah. Um, because the con- our conscience is, is that ever-present voice that and, and kind of... Um, I don't know that that part of us that is that is if it's formed is always um, kind of in a particular I don't know I don't want to call it like a communion with God but like in a particular like relationship with God in order to um, to hear what God is asking us to do. Yeah, it's and kind like, of like our spiritual to, radar. Yeah, there you go. That's a better way of saying it. Um, I'm like talking around it. But <laughs> yeah. Um, basically like I'm, maybe I'm in a certain situation and I'm trying to determine what is right in the situation versus what is wrong to do in the situation. And it's my conscience that helps me discern that, which is why when we start doing things without our conscience, or if we just skip past it, mm-hmm. right, then, or I, maybe I start to say like, well, this thing really isn't that bad, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, this thing that I know to be wrong, maybe it's right under these circumstances, right? I start to, to, to tell myself certain things in order to either manipulate my conscience or to just kind of ignore it or hush it, yeah. right? And that's how Satan can, um, to get us to, to skip over the conscience. I think um, it, when you have a truly like well-formed conscience, that's a hard thing to do, mm-hmm. right? Which is why it's important for us to even, you know, we can't just rely on like, 
Well, I, you know, took catechism in middle school and I'm good, right? We have to continually form our conscience and make sure that, um, basically, like, keep fit when it comes to determining right from wrong. That's right. Yes, a, a fit conscience. I like the idea of a fit conscience. Yeah. And then the intellect, right? So this is the, the area, the thinking capacity, your reason, right? Mm-hmm. Your ability to to take in information. Um, and this isn't just, what, you know, knowing facts and figures and doing really well on Jeopardy. Um, but it comes down to also making the right choices in life, um, even and especially when no one is looking, right? Yep. Um, it's the hardest one, bit, right, is, yes. is to, to be a person of integrity even when nobody's looking. Yeah. Um, and one of the, the biggest effects of sin that, that maybe we don't emphasize as much today, um, but that it dims the intellect, right? Yeah. Like you have a dimmer on your dining room lights, right? It dims the intellect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, it's a, kind of a fancy way of saying it just makes us dumb in the eyes, in, in the face of sin, mm-hmm. right? So right. So we can't, we can't able. pick up on it whenever it comes back around to, because, because that's why, that's why the, we say that, uh, that non-serious sins, right? The, the venial sins, they can kind of build up because they dull us a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more so that we become dull to the fact that maybe a mortal sin is staring us in the face, you know, that, yeah. that, that is, we're preparing to commit, which is why um, the church gives us so many different opportunities, uh, at least in a normal circumstance, to, to come to, to God's mercy. And even whenever the sacraments are not available for something that's uh, extraneous like this, the Lord will not be outdone. He will still yeah. desire to dispense his mercy. He will still desire to dispense his forgiveness to those souls who say, Lord, I don't want to be stupid in the face of sin anymore. Uh, I, I, I want to be, I want to have all of my, um, all of my intellect, all of my memory, all of my understanding, all of my will. I want it honed for you, Lord, because it belongs to you. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about like all of those things we've been talking about, so uh, let me see if I can, imagination, emotions, memory, conscience, intellect, these are all like defenses, mm-hmm. right? So that's why we need them fit. We need them sharpened, we need them honed, like we're talking about, because what they're doing is they're, they're, well, first of all, they're all good in and of themselves, right? Because they're part of the person and the person in and of him or herself is good. Yeah. Um, but they also are like the lines of defenses before the will, mm-hmm. right? Um, and even some of the, the scholastic uh, church, uh, well, church fathers, but not technically church fathers. Anyway, some of the scholastic philosophers like St. Thomas Aquinas would say that sin is what happens when the will outruns the intellect, ah. right? And yes. so when you think about like all those different parts of the mind, if they're sharpened and honed, then the will is able to know what to do because the will is like, like Plato um, in... Um, I think it's the Republic talks about how the will is like um, like these wild horses. Oh yeah, the two horses, one on either side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, I don't. It's not a bit like an extremely apt metaphor, but, but like the point is made that the will is our ability to do and to go and to do. Think about mm-hmm. like a toddler who, like, if you let a toddler just <laughs> go, they're gonna run and run and run and run and run. They're gonna hit poles. They're gonna you know hit their head on a sharp coffee table corners, they're going to put their hands on a stove, they're going to do all this sorts of stuff that's going to hurt them, yep. right? But if they have direction, right, if they're formed, mm-hmm. don't do that, you're going to hurt yourself. Or, all right, why did it hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Because it was hot, we shouldn't have touched it. Um, if they're formed, then they're better able to know how to act. Right, because their intellect wakes up, right? 
Exactly. And that's yeah, why we that's why children need parents, right? Yes. To not just exactly. have them be nothing but will, but to allow yeah. intellect, to allow uh, imagination, all these things, right? To emotion, to form how my will is going to manifest itself. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, what happens if those other areas of the mind are weakened by sin or by temptation, then our will becomes weakened to such an extent that we just go with the flow or we act whenever we're prompted. Mm -hmm. It's just a straight Autobahn from the imagination <laughs> to the will. Yeah. Um, and, and that can lead us more directly into sin or make it harder for us to turn away. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think about G.K. Chesterton um, in The Everlasting Man. He says, a, a dead thing can go with the stream, but only a living thing can go against it. That's, right. Right? That's the power of the will. Um, to, to choose good is a difficult thing. It's not an impossible thing, um, especially when it comes to the life of grace. And that's where I want to kind of close this out is just to talk about how all of this, right, resisting temptation, choosing the good is possible because that's the way we were created, mm. right? You were created to choose the good. That's why you have a will and an intellect and all those other things. Um, but that God wants to help us to do that and not just help us like once a week or whenever we struggle or after we go to confession. He wants to help us in every single moment that there's there's grace available to us. Yep. And it could be grace that's coming from another person who's saying, hey, I really don't think you should do that. Mm -hmm. Right. Or it could be that the, the voice of your conscience while you're sitting alone during quarantine, whatever it is, there's grace. Mm -hmm. And God wants us to to allow that grace, that participation in his divine life. That's what that is. He wants to, to draw us even deeper into his heart and give us everything that we need. Mm -hmm. And so that we will not only choose the good, we'll be so close to it that we're resting on the sacred heart of Jesus. Mm. And that's exactly where we want to be, right? <laughs> I know I try to, I want to stay there to say, Lord, make my heart like yours. You know, that's those, those, little, uh, those little exclamation prayers, right? Lord, make mm -hmm. my heart like unto thine. Uh, and I think that's a, a very good prayer to pray, especially as you get up every morning and say, oh, well, what day is it today? <laughs> Yeah. And so, and so, yes, in all things, Lord, make my heart like unto yours. All right. Uh, one of the things that we should, uh, you know, make for you right now is that part of the show that we like to call the CU Pick of the Week. And for our first CU Pick of the Week, uh, let's go. Uh, how about to Olivia? Okay. Thank you. Because well, Kathleen, you're always going to show me up. Okay. Aww. So my Pick of the Week, though, is actually pretty cool. And I wish I had it to show you. But, um, so I recently uh, got my boyfriend, Matt, a little – you remember those Viewmasters, like, from when we were kids? I do remember uh, like, the Viewmaster. Put the little slide in and click it, and it's like little 3D photos. So you can make one with your own photos. What? Um, yes. Um, it's like just, the little it's slides? Called, yeah, you can make a little, uh, like, roll of – uh, slides, yeah. yeah. Um, seven photos on a roll, and then it, they'll send you like the little Viewmaster, and you can click it, and it's all your own photos. Um, I remember those. So it's it's called the Retro Viewer. Uh, we'll put the the link. Um, their their website's a little bit clunky, but the product is really good, and it's very it's like classic. You feel like you're holding one of the original Viewmasters. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Well, Kathleen, what do you have to say to that? Um, <laughs> Well, what I think is really cool is that during this time of quarantine that a lot of musicians are doing free Facebook concerts yep. um, from their living room, which is really cool. And one of my favorite, favorite um, 
singers. His name is Drew Holcomb and his wife, Ellie. So Drew and Ellie Holcomb, um, they are doing what they what they call kitchen covers. And so every night, and they have a pretty good little, you know, graphic instead of They do. It's cool. It, Chris. Yeah. And so um, so they're doing kitchen covers, and it's it's a, a wide array of music that they're, that they're covering. But it's just a really cool thing to look forward to every night. Super simple. You know, it's, it's really interesting to see these musicians paired way down, um, you know, and just to hear the talent and, and just the love. This guy, especially Drew Holcomb and his wife, Ellie, have for music in general. Yeah. Um, it's just really cool. A cool thing to watch. So if you're looking for something to, to tune into every night, it's really it's really awesome. Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors is his Facebook page. Very cool. And we'll certainly put that in the show notes. OK, my pick of the week I've been thumbing through today. It is the illustrated history of the Knights of Columbus. So if you've ever wondered, like, what are these guys about? Where did it start? Why did it start? What have they been up to um, for the past? uh, Gosh, I can't remember what the uh, what the I think it's their centenary. I'm sorry. I don't remember Knights, uh, my brother Knights. But anyway, it's a fascinating read on the illustrated history of the Knights of Columbus. I do love pictures and words together. So that's my pick of the week. All right. Yeah. And as you know, I like books. So this is one of those books that I've just been kind of flipping through all day long. All right. That's our that's our picks of the week. You can always let us know what your picks of the week are by going to backchat at catholicunderground.com in your email. Or you can let us know in the chat room or let us know when you comment on our website. And uh, and so, yeah, there, there's plenty there's plenty of ways for you to get in touch with us. And of course, if you're watching us live uh, on the Internet every Sunday at 7 p.m. Central Time, then uh, then we also um, uh, just interact in the chat room as best we're able to do. Uh, I can't because I don't have enough enough fingers, enough hands to kind of get to all the keyboards around here. But uh, at any rate, uh, this week, the Catholic Underground is possible because of viewers and listeners like you. You can grow the you can join the growing number of underground grounders by uh, going to catholicunderground.com slash donate. An important way for you to support us, of course, is to like us and to heart us and to star us and to share us on your social media platform of choice. If you really like our podcast, then leave us a review and, uh, and you know, let others know that, that, that you like it. Our panelists this week have been Kathleen Lee. She is the benefactress. She's the faith ninja, the hope samurai. She's at klee626 on Instagram. Thank you, Kathleen. Anytime. Also, Olivia in the center box uh, is at the.real.omg on uh, Twitter for sure. And Instagram as well, right? Yes. Okay, there you go. I got it right. Phew. All right. Our technical director is usually Jeff Blackwell. He's off this week at Jeff Blackwell us on Twitter. Our research assistant and the leader of the crew in the lab is also quarantined with his family, Jim Hayes. Our video and graphics director is usually Ed Ball, who is quarantined with his family. And you know me. I'm Father Chris. You can follow me on Instagram at Digital Catholic. We hope that we've helped you cut through the noise and find that still small voice. We are the Catholic Underground. We are making our way through Holy Week, and we are Faith Gone Digital. We'll see you next time. Oh, that's that's gonna make good TV right there. Yeah, yeah. All right. From the Catholic Underground.